Hi, John Schwab here, and welcome to a very special episode of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, episode four of our Come From Away series, Welcome to the Rock. Rarely have we had the opportunity to take you on a real deep dive into a show like we will be doing with this series. In this episode, you'll hear from the creative team and cast members from the West End, including Rachel Tucker playing Captain Beverly Bass. We are in a, a such a successful, yeah. beautifully told mm. show. Producer John Brandt. Oh my God, I saw Come From Away yesterday, and there was an immediate outpouring of love and respect for this show. Director Christopher Ashley. This cast, bodies and mouths tried to take them to Ireland. Getting it specifically Newfoundland enough was challenging for them. And many, many more. And if you didn't already know... Come From Away tells the true story of when 38 planes and thousands of passengers were diverted to this tiny community in Newfoundland on the northeast corner of North America. And people were invited into uh, the locals' homes. They were given everything, fed, housed, uh, and people changed their lives there. They fell in love, uh, they, they made lifelong friendships, and it's this extraordinary story of kindness set against the backdrop of this terrible tragedy. You just heard the voice of David Hine, one of the writers of Come From Away. But how do producers take a musical about a story of a small rural community on a Canadian island from Broadway to a European premiere in Dublin and then a West End premiere on its way to Olivier Award glory. Find out in this series of Welcome to the Rock. Welcome to the Rock! Come From Away shares the incredible real-life story of the 7,000 airline passengers from all over the world who were grounded in Canada during the wake of 9-11, and the small Newfoundland community that invited these Come From Aways into their lives as uneasiness turned into trust and music swirled into the night, gratitude grew into friendships, and their stories became a celebration of hope, humanity, and unity. As you heard in episode one of this series, Come From Away is a show with humble beginnings, first as a college theater festival workshop production, followed up by productions on America's West Coast, before heading off on an extended pre-Broadway tryout tour. And in the last episode, we discovered from Junkyard Dog Productions that they didn't really know what the show's trajectory was going to be. We did not have a Broadway plan in place. Well, I think every show is different. You sort of, part of hopefully your job is to sort of figure out what that path is for each of those shows to give it its best chance. It did hit Broadway in a big way. And today is one of the most popular shows on the Great White Way. But the producers didn't sit on their laurels. A U.S. tour and a Canadian sit-down were on the cards. But what about a West End transfer? Surely Broadway's success meant a show in London. Well, um, as you know from our trajectory in New York, um, we, spent, we, took, we took our time. We felt it was important to uh, have the show out there and building momentum uh, before we came into, into New York. We felt similarly that that would be important for the West End because even though we have had success in New York and had success in Toronto, there's no guarantee of success in London. And again, it's a, it's a tricky title. It's not a big blockbuster, so we, we felt like we needed to build some time in. Junkyard Dog Productions sought out producing partners early on. John Brandt of Smith & Brandt Theatricals, 
describes why he and his producing partner, Joe Smith, expressed their interest and also their desire to get it to Europe. Well, what was really interesting is um, me and Joe, obviously there was a strategic element to why we wanted to be involved and we wanted to be involved as a higher level as we possibly could. We opened in, in March, or officially opened in, in March of 2017. And at that time, there was a lot of stuff opening on Broadway that involved UK people. So I think Charlie was opening, uh, Groundhog Day was opening. So there were a lot of around that, in that Tony Award period. So there were a load of UK people over there. And me and Joe didn't really think a lot about it. And then we started getting emails. We started getting emails from people like Playful, from uh, other marketing agencies, from marketing agencies, from PR agencies, all just saying, oh my God, I saw Come From Away yesterday and I saw that you guys were involved. And there was an immediate outpouring of love and respect for this show. So actually, we didn't really have one eye on the West End until it opened. And there was this kind of groundswell that we just kind of rolled with. But why did the producers decide to go to Dublin and not straight into the West End? We wanted it to be authentic. We wanted there to be a reason. And um, we, kind of, we kind of honed into either something in Glasgow in Scotland or something in in Dublin because so much of the the Celtic music, the language, but a lot of the people who arrived in Gander came from the port of Dublin or the port of Glasgow. So uh, I can't remember how the Abbey came about, but we got in contact with the guys um, and Neil, Neil spearheaded it really. And we went over and saw them. They had quite a similar show showing at that time, which was a which was a true story based around uh, the Troubles in Ireland, but very early stages, but was actor Muso and everyone was on stage. And we saw this production and I remember turning to Joe about halfway through and saying, they'd love it here, it would really work here. Then we worked very hard to make that, make that happen. It also gave us the opportunity to bring some influential um, folks in, whether it was uh, press for lead articles or group sales um, ticketing people. Uh, to give us a little bit of lead time on that as well. There, there was also another very practical reason, which was not why we, not why we initially. The reasons that we just outlined are the reasons why we wanted to go somewhere before London and why we were happily um, settled with our partners at the Abbey in Dublin. But uh, the other practical thing that came about was that we had our entire creative team available to mount the show in Dublin. And given the uh, the schedule with the Phoenix Theatre, we would not have had them available to us had we gone directly into rehearsal to open at the Phoenix because of their schedules and working on other projects. So it, it also gave us an opportunity to fully uh, rehearse the show with our uh, original creative team yeah. uh, when they were available. It's one of those things that actually, you know, we do this, you've been in this business long enough, you know when the gods are smiling on you and you know when the gods are not. So. <laughs> With the theater gods smiling on Come From Away, a West End transfer plan was put into action. But first, they needed to tweak a few things in the script for a European audience. The creative team discussed these changes. 
Go There's ahead. a couple script elements that have changed, uh, uh, bringing it across uh, across the ocean. Um, uh, uh, no one, we, we found out very quickly in the audition process that mm -hmm. no one had any idea who Tom Brokaw was. So yeah. there was this story about the uh, reporter character was phoned by Tom Brokaw, who was doing a documentary about it. And um, we very quickly had to figure out an alternative. But fortunately, uh, Oprah Winfrey also phoned that reporter in Gander and didn't make a documentary, but uh, but did phone and left a message on the answering machine, which uh, Brian Mosher and Newford Land will happily play you because he has kept it. Just phone him. Get him on Facebook for seventeen yeah. years. Yeah. I'll do it. All of the scenes on the t on the tube. Yeah, scenes yeah. on the tube. So oh, so we were the discussion was like in a, in the U.S. environment, the word tube yeah. means television. Yeah. And over here, we were concerned that the word tube would ref would seem like the underground. But actually, when we tried to change it, the fix was worse. <laughs> so, oh, like, it was one of those things where okay, we, the, wow. the, the fix yeah. didn't read it's, uh, yeah, any okay. better. Mm -hmm. And I think it is actually clear in concept. It's so clear they're talking about television. That and they're Americans talking about it. And or, they're, or, well, they're, or, they're Canadians, Canadians, Canadians yeah. talking about it. So it well, and somebody's sense. holding a remote control, staring at something <laughs> that looks like a <laughs> TV. Like, so. <laughs> there you go. Flickering light on them. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we figured, did uh, help it a little bit. We changed Wish Kids didn't quite work in a UK environment, so we made it Make-A-Wish Kids. Um, mobile phones was much clearer than cell phone over here, so we changed a couple little things just for clarity. Yeah. Um, the it's something that we thought we would need to. I, what I found interesting in rehearsal was that they were like, "Oh no, no, we get it. We yeah, we experience this knowing where these people are from. That seems yeah. to be something they're very used to doing. Yeah, here maybe more than American audiences. Mm. Now the producers needed to start building a company, but it wasn't a straightforward casting. There were a few considerations that had to be noted. Yeah, I mean, we certainly talked about before we cast the UK production and like the what are the um, strengths of the actors we cast both in in, uh, in London and in Dublin, um, and um, it, different kinds of actors have played each of these roles. Like if you put all the we have four companies up and running as of now, and if you put the people next to each other, a lot of times they don't look like each other, but there is something sort of about their home base personality that they share uh, in common. Um, and often there's, there's a couple of very specific things like to tell the story of um, the bus where a, a gander bus driver is, um, is driving a, a bus full of people from Africa who he shares no language with. You know, like there's a certain kind of ethnicity you need to tell that story. Um, Hannah has been on uh, sort of all kinds of different people have, have played her. The actual Hannah is an amazing um, kind of Irish-American woman from <laughs> Long Island. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it really, through the audition process, we, we ask people to do all kinds of different dialects and, and move and act and sing and improvise. Um, so by the time we're done, you really have a sense of who that person is and you fall in love with them in the audition process. The dialect also was sort of interesting because because Joel Goldie's oh, yeah. dialect coach had to totally take it from a different perspective of, uh, you know, find, finding finding it not from an American accent or a Canadian accent, but finding it from a UK accent. So I think that process was different. Right? I think the dialect was actually more challenging for the UK actors, the Gander dialect, because it's so close to Irish. And it's not Irish, but it's, it shares a lot of sounds and a lot of vowels with it. So I, I do think that all, this cast immediately to their, their bodies and mouths tried to take them to Ireland uh, and getting it specifically Newfoundland enough was uh, was challenging for them in a way that a North American like you know ear uh, hears Canadian like far like the kind of Canadian sounds much yeah. much more easily 
Oh, they complained about it. The cast said to me, like, what did you do to us? Like, right. dumped us in Dublin. Told us, don't talk like that. <laughs> don't Particularly the Irish actors. Uh, oh, yeah. That it was fiendishly difficult to get an, a dialect that's not that different from what you grew up with, but is actually different. They, uh, Rachel and David both, I think, uh, took them a couple of weeks to, to wrap their minds around it. With the cast assembled, the producers knew what a pre-West End run would do for the company. We did the same thing in Toronto. We went to Winnipeg before the actual sit-down production in Toronto opened. Part of it has to do with the cast as well. I mean, it is hard work what those people have to do and getting that show in their bones and being able to do it. Yeah. Uh, All the movement, all the uh, things that they have to do over the course of that hundred minutes. And it's just a way of helping that cast become uh, basically a unified whole. A true ensemble. Uh, yeah, a true ensemble. And so by the time they all got to Toronto from Winnipeg or from uh, to London from Dublin, they were in magnificent shape. They felt very confident about what they were doing and they were having a blast. The reason for going to Dublin was because that had worked so well that it had crisscrossed across America and also done these concert in, concerts in Ganda before it came to Broadway. 200,000 people had seen it and I think that word of mouth is really helpful but also this show is such a collaborative ensemble piece. You need to, t- it's important to take the cast away so that they can bond, so that they can discover these characters in a very tight choreographed framework. They can discover these characters and they can bond as an ensemble because that's so important to what we see on the stage. Cast members agreed and took the opportunity to get to know each other better. Dublin was a good um, way for us to bond as well because mm. we were away from home. We did have the house parties and we did, you know, we had, we had each other and that was we it. We went around Dublin yeah. and, and did a lot of sightseeing mm. and it was it was really it was a good way to bond and all get to know each other as yeah. well all of us it was yeah. it was a special time Dublin it's good I loved it yeah beautiful not every show that transfers across the Atlantic is well received on the other side were the producers concerned about how the show would land in its pre-West End tryout in Dublin In many ways, it is as much about getting the company and giving them the opportunity to play that show for a few weeks and get it in their bodies uh, before then opening uh, cold, rather than opening cold uh, in a big city. I always thought they'd get it in Dublin. I just did. I thought because of the music and and ultimately, you know, at the end of at the end of the show when the band come out and play. I always felt like that audience were going to enjoy that. But also, I think there's a lot, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a lot of similarities, I think, between the people of Gander, the people of Dublin, the people of Dublin, the people of Ireland, very open, very open people, very proud people, very patriotic people. Um, but you never know how they're going to respond to the actual story. So I thought they would always get into that. Um, but you, you're never quite sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think we didn't know. I mean, I think we were all um, slightly nervous about it. The good news is that there had been a lot of folks uh, who had been over to see it in New York um, from um, London and so forth who had seen it who were just uh, felt that it would play really, really well. 
uh, in London. But again, until you get there, you don't know. And Dublin, we had no idea what that was going to be like. The cast also had concerns, with many of them actually having played the Abbey Theatre in Dublin previously in their careers. I must, there was a worry, I must say, I found that there was a worry for me that they might find it, they might almost be, not insulted by it, but a bit like, hold on yeah, a second, what are you Irish doing? Irish jiggy jiggy music. You know, it's this, this diddly eye music yeah. and, and, and funny Irish accents, yeah. you, you know. Yeah. You, are you taking the piss? Yeah. Piss yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So that's, that, that was my only worry about it. They were like, oh, no, no, no. So what was it like opening night in Ireland? Were the company's fears unfounded? <laughs> I think the, one, the wonderful thing about Irish audiences, I've been very lucky to work there a lot, obviously, because it's home. And, and the wonderful thing about Irish audiences is that they, if they love it, they really, love, really love it. And they'll show you. And they will show you. And it's, it's, Dublin is all word of mouth. If yeah. they don't like something, no one, no goes. one goes. I've been in those shows. They don't like it, no one goes. Just yeah. you. So, yeah, and, yeah. So, oh, hello, hi, Mum. <laughs> you know, the Dubliners, they, they really did enjoy yeah, it because it is it. it's you know it's got that celtic yeah, feel yeah. they can relate to it yeah. and I, I don't know if they spoke to you but some of the guys when you come out of stage oh, it's like the music is incredible yeah, yeah, the really music is. was always really mentioned is. especially over there yeah but that that was the first that first preview where they took the roof off and they stood up and that we yeah. now call okay. it that wall of sound yeah. oh god bashes yeah. you in the face yeah. and it's a small Theater, it was right? only 400, 400, 400 yeah. 500. Such so, a lovely space because well, we it was so intimate. Yeah. Absolutely couldn't believe it. Very, I didn't, very I, emotional, I, actually. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to take it. I, for me, I was just like, okay, that's just the first yeah, night. It's yeah, never going to happen again. Yeah. With how many months now? Five, seven months in? Five. Every six. single yeah. performance that Wall of Sound comes I, The first 10, 15 minutes in Dublin, you felt and saw, we could see a lot mm. of the audience, mm. still can with a show, Sorry. them sitting back a little bit. Mm. And then after about 15 minutes, when they know the humour, they know yeah. actually that we're not taking the piss out of anybody. Yeah. This mm. is actually what happened and getting the comedy. Mm. They then lent it, really leaned in. And it, it seems to be a bit, that, that happens sooner here. Mm. Whereas Dublin, it felt a bit like, I've, mm-hmm. I've never seen an Irish audiences like that yeah. ever really? in terms of just their, no. I've never seen audiences react like that at the end of a show. Ever. ever. I don't think they've ever seen it at the Abbey either, mm. you know. When we were in Dublin, because of the Irish-American connection, the Irish-Newfoundland connection, the language, the, the, the response we got was the same as we got here, but... And you kind of understood that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think, yeah, but that's understandable because of the... And because the Irish music is... Yeah. And I, I was very cynical. I thought, when we yeah, get here, mm, you yeah. know, we've been... with uh, yeah. The full yeah. sense of security. Because, well, yeah. you know, I've been on the block a few times. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I thought, oh, no, London was oh, no, no. But boy, was I wrong. This, the, the response has been exactly the same. Exactly the same. Although, exactly I think the, the opening night, our first preview was our kind of opening night, but yeah. that reaction of the audience, oh. the gut thing that in now London. happens. Yeah. No, in Dublin, in Dublin, in Dublin because yeah. it happened in Dublin. There were 500 people at the Abbey, and they all seemed to have an electric shock yeah, was, from the seat, and we have not experienced that before. No. It was a leap to their feet, and a real, oh, it was not a... Oh, that's quite a nice play. We must have listened to the explosion. I tell you one thing that one of our producers said: uh, the amount of men she saw crying yeah. in Dublin, she said, was unprecedented. Right. Just from the open, mm. openly sobbing mm. um, more than in in New York. And in it the also brought a whole new audience into the Abbey that had never been there before. Oh, like I, we, I mean, we spoke to people all the time because the, the, the nice thing about the Abbey was the, the bar was open. You kind of just go through the bar oh, afterwards or go have a drink afterwards. So you meet, meet the audience quite regularly, mm. and so many people went, "I've never been the Abbey before, and this is just oh, I've never really? been anything like this before." Yeah. 
and they were like, I'm coming back, and we yeah. can't see this show, but, then, great. but it was yeah. just wonderful, because they couldn't get a ticket. So, um, yeah. but yeah, it was wonderful for that, it opened up a whole new audience yeah. for I mean, the Abbey, which is It wonderful. was such a perfect yeah. theatre, wasn't it, mm. in lots of respects, to start it, because because of that, because we walked through the bar at the end of the show, we spoke mm. to people, mm. and it's amazing on this show how many people at the end of it want to tell you stories, and yeah. like, yeah. even people who were directly involved, people who weren't, people, like, people want to share which is such a nice thing to bring that out to people. Um, And also, obviously, because it's such an intimate house in Dublin as well. In fact, the show was so successful that members of the cast couldn't even get tickets for their families flying in just to see the show. But but it was was phenomenal. Like, literally from day one, we were like... I, I couldn't get like, my family in the second time around. Neither did mine. I had to literally beg, borrow, and steal tickets because my family are all like, oh, we'll go and see I know, them right, fine. Right, we'll get tickets to the Abbey. Be grand. Yeah. Don't worry about it. No, and so of course, so you know, right. last week they're going, can we see your show? I went, no, you can't. <laughs> so <laughs> you can't. No tickets. <laughs> yeah. I remember asking our company manager, in, like two or three In weeks, the tech room? Yeah, can I get tickets for January? And he was like, no. No. I was like, no, no, January. <laughs> Next year. You know. <laughs> no. Two. No. Like, my friend sat on, no word of a lie, mm. my friend sat on the Usher seats at the back. Mm. They flew from London and him and his mum sat on Usher seats at the back. Come From Away transferred to the Phoenix Theatre in London's West End and opened to numerous five-star reviews. And has there been a difference in audience reaction now that they're at the Phoenix? The first preview was the most bizarre experience. Everyone went, it was, it was crazy. What was it? Welcome to the rock. Boom. And, then yeah. and we were a bit like, oh my god, it's like being in a wind tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Just screamed and we couldn't get it. I've ever it heard that noise in a theatre before. Yeah, it was insane. And that's the end of opening, that was the end of the opening the number. number. And it, it, <laughs> in our first preview yeah. here. And Clive being like, okay. Clive had to literally, because he speaks straight after the number, he had yeah. to kind of, just like, guys, okay. seriously, got a whole show to get through, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had to calm kind of just calm down. He literally had to put his hands out and say, you know, Anyway, yeah. show. <laughs> Safe to say that the European premiere and its subsequent trip across the Irish Sea was a complete success. But it turns out that one of the producers wasn't too worried about how well Come From Away would be received. You know, I think one of the things that we have learned with this show is that um, the idea of, of kindness, human, hu- humanity and kindness is, is a universal theme. Uh, the response to that, but also the fact that the events of 9-11 affected everybody on this globe, yeah. in a way. And everyone has a memory of that day, and, and nobody owns it, you know? Everybody's got it. And even even young people who were not alive at that time, we find, respond to the show because it helps them understand the world they live in. So so we, did, we were not sure. Of course we're trepidatious, but... You know, that first uh, audience in Dublin when they leapt to their feet and gave that kind of response. And it's funny because the cast, too, they're like, you know, we don't know what this is going to be done. <laughs> we have no idea. Well, because a lot of them Because they hadn't seen ever actually seen the show. My so it was actually. a discovery for them, too. But it was, uh, of course, it was thrilling for us to see that the response is universal. And the same thing happened in Melbourne this yeah. summer. It just reinforces the idea of a, of a universal story, I think, of human kindness. So there you have it, the story of the little musical that grew from a Canadian workshop performance to having its European premiere at the Abbey Theatre in Dublin, Ireland, 
before hopping over to the beautiful Phoenix Theatre in London's West End, where it opened to five-star reviews on its way to picking up four Olivier Awards, including Best New Musical. Join us for the next episode, when we give you a front-row seat to Come From Away's launch party at the Canadian Embassy in London, and find out why the team behind the show thought it was so important to have the European journey announced there. <laughs> <laughs>